Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show to make data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. Audience, you have to tune into this because today is going to be a wild moment. I promise you, you have to understand that we have talked about artificial intelligence, right? Supervised learning, we unsupervised learning, we del- we delve into that. Uh, we talked about machine learning. You know, we brought in some people that actually uh, don't even know that they're dealing with data-driven decision making on a daily basis, but. We never, we never, I promise you in the, and I don't know if we're going to do this even after this podcast, right? <laughs> Talk about pricing strategies and data and how it all relates. And so if you think about retail pricing strategies, right, that's come a long way, you know, thanks to AI and data science, right, along the way, you know, they're offering retailers visibility into best practices for like how they uh, should to price their inventory across the product lifecycle. Those type of things are very important, okay? And you have that win-win for the business and the shopper's value perception. Great, all right? How does that all work? Why does pricing matter so much? And I brought an expert, as you know, I like to bring an expert on. We're gonna talk about the markdowns. We're gonna talk about the competitive insights, the retail customers. We're, We're gonna dive into this deep, okay? And you're going to be able to say, you might come out of it and say, look, I want to be in that field. I want to be a pricing expert, right? <laughs> so I brought on somebody, an expert. His name is Pear. And he is also called the 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 outstanding, the outstanding. I tell you right now, this person right here is is going to change your whole mindset. OK, the price whisperer. All right. Just keep that name in mind because he's going to tell you the background behind it. It's going to be amazing. So, Parrot, thank you for coming on the, uh, the podcast. Uh, say hello to the audience. Well, thank you very much for having me. I I, I hope this is going to be <clears throat> I hope this is going to be interesting and maybe even entertaining for the audience. And and certainly, I will give you some tips uh, that that you can all start to hopefully use already later today. Yeah, 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 definitely. Thank you, Pear. I appreciate it. You know, so Pear is a thought leader in the industry and everything pricing related and how companies can use pricing to drive higher growth, sales volume and profits. Uh, Pear has been a sought after speaker in various conferences, appears on, uh, on, on, on various podcasts and, and business radio shows and gets root, routinely quoted in the financial and business press. So he is for sure an expert in this field, okay? And so you really need to tune into this this podcast because Pear is going to drop some real serious nuggets, okay? His book, The Price Whisperer, is is available right now at booksellers nationwide and online. So we're definitely going to have to tune into that. Uh, Pear, tell them a little about yourself. Yeah, you know, I uh, first of all, I I. I... I didn't um, invent this uh, moniker of mine, the price whisperer. <laughs> the, the the story is that uh, um, I was um, I was in a fairly large networking group here in Los Angeles, and and I did 
presentations to the group and, and we're talking about you know a couple of hundred people um several times and and uh, got known as the 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 expert in pricing so i uh, they started to call me price the price whisper oh and 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 if nothing else because i got such a wacky name i mean it mm. makes perfect sense in my native sweden or scandinavia i should say um, but um, but not so much here in the U.S. and, and in most other countries. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's why I adopted the moniker, and and um, um, so I'm you you know my story, if you like, is that I <clears throat> I had a chance to to run a couple of companies in in Europe, and uh, one out of Zurich in Switzerland and one out of London, and. Um, and then I came here to the U.S. in the mid-90s um, <clears throat> to establish and run a division of a fairly large public company. And, um, and then I had another four CEO jobs. Um, we did experiments with pricing in these, um, in these companies uh, only because I was interested in it. And some of those experiments were very successful, meaning that next quarter revenues are up 25%. Others were complete duds. And most were inconclusive. So um, 15 years ago, I decided I was too old and too opinionated to be <laughs> done, you know. So, so, um, so I, I decided to take that interest in pricing and, and uh, develop a process that uh, would make every pricing experiment a success. And, and, and that is the process that we still use. You know, it's, it's more advanced. Um, we now have AI software that supports it that we mm -hmm. developed. Um, but the, in, in, in essence, the, the, the process is the same. So, and it was th then it was designed to be, um, to meet the needs that I felt that I, that I had when I ran these companies, you know. It doesn't come out of um, doesn't come out of academia. It doesn't come out of of theories that has nothing to do with with business reality. It's just very practical, you know. So, so to make those decisions, you know, and I, and I appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm super excited about this because I have probably a ridiculous amount of questions, you know. But I'll, <laughs> I'll let the audience guide me later, you know. Uh, but but I. You know, pricing, a lot of times we skip that part. You know, I, I see it in the industry, especially the vendor industry. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I'm not necessarily a part of it. I don't want to say we skip it, but I don't think that we put as much emphasis, emphasis on the pricing strategy and why it is important. Okay. And, you know, I see there, I, I think about, when I think about pricing, right, when when I knew I had uh, you on the podcast, I thought, man, pricing is important. I said, why? Why is it so important? Right. And it defines that value, you know, of like your worth and stuff, you know, for you to make uh, and for your customers to make the, these these tangible price point decisions, it seems like. Uh, can you tell me? why pricing matters tell the audience why is pricing so important in the industry yeah the the um the, there's a couple of things that i think is interesting first off um as you said in in the intro here um businesses want to make decisions based on data right and mm -hmm. and 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 that data 
um, obviously comes from a, a variety of sources. But the one thing where data is rarely used is pricing, right? Mm. <laughs> and and um, and and well, pricing. I should say optimized pricing, maybe because every time every time somebody buys something, there there is a certain willingness to pay. There is a certain urgency. There is a certain um, uh, there's a certain um, use case. There are certain drivers that drives that purchase decision, and and whether it's B two B or B two C, it's it's all the same. Um, <clears throat> and the pricing is so important for a couple of reasons. Um, first off, and I'd like you you and the audience to to make a little thought experiment here. Mm -hmm. um, every company has a resulting profit that comes from only three variables, right? It's the total cost of the operation, it's the total sales volume of whatever the company is selling, and it's the price of whatever you're selling. That's how simple it is on the from the very top level. Mm -hmm. And 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 um, I said a thought experiment. So let's imagine that you can change one of those 1%, right? So if, if you can increase your sales volume for the average company, profit goes up with 3.5%, with not mm -hmm. very much, right? If you can reduce your cost with 1%, profitability goes up with 5.5%. Mm -hmm. But if you can increase your price with 1%, or if you can decrease your discount with 1%, profitability goes up with 11.3% for the average company. Oh, man. Right? Now, I, I'd like to use this and, and think about it as, as, as the 1% challenge. And mm -hmm. you know what the challenge is? What? The challenge is, have you ever failed to change anything 1%? Right? Yeah. Of course you haven't. You yeah, know? yeah, of course. <laughs> so so when, when you start thinking about pricing in that context on how it drives profitability in a company, um, you're not going to change your prices 1%. You know? You're not going to say to the salespeople, sorry, guys, um, you can't discount 20% anymore. You're going to mm -hmm. tell them you can only discount 10% from now on, right? <laughs> and suddenly yeah, yeah. you doubled your profits, right? Roughly, if you're like the average company. And, and, um, and why is profit so important? Well, profit is so important because that drives every company forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a company and you're not profitable you're being supported yeah. by investors. And yeah. investors will eventually get tired of supporting you. <laughs> yeah, because you're not making profit off of it. Yeah. And I mean if you if you if you if you make that one percent um one percent challenge on Amazon, right? Mm. They would <laughs> if they could increase prices one percent, their profitability will um go up with 49%. Yeah. Is it is it 
is the reason why that 1% is so important is it because of the human mind? Would you say like the human, a customer, typically an increase in 1% is like, oh, that's nothing to me. Exactly. You know, yeah. I'll pay, I'll pay the 1% increase. That, well, yeah. I mean, good practice for every company is to increase prices with a few percent every year. Mm -hmm. And and if you have returning customers, which um, I hope you in the audience have to your companies, um, nobody's going to notice, you know. Yeah. And 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 you know the first year is not going to make a big difference for you. When you've done it for four or five years, it's going to have, you know, the 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 changes are compounded and it's going to be hugely different. But. Um, yeah. I, I I said that um, businesses want to be data driven, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and 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 then pricing is often not data driven at all. Um, and let me give you an example of that. You know, the 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 <clears throat> I had a, spoke to a um, the, the 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 CEO of a of a of a SaaS company. This was a little while back, and. Um, and he said that I've decided that our price is going to be $165 per user per month. Mm -hmm. And then he continued saying, but I don't know. Maybe it should have been 99. Maybe it should have been 250. Mm -hmm. But 165 just felt right. Yeah. Is that the right <laughs> That's price? That's the decision. <laughs> I mean, give me a break that is not the right price i, I can find <laughs> out what the right price i can't pull the, the price out of a hat like he did you know because there is no feel good price that is right right right, right. um the the another so this is this is guessing you know and another um very common mistake of course is to use cost as as the price right so you say um, different industries have, have different rules of thumb for, for, for what uh, uplift they should use, you know, on top of cost. And mm -hmm. if you look at uh, old school manufacturing industries, they, they look at cost of, you know, cost of goods sold and they add maybe 35% or maybe 50%. And that's the price. Mm -hmm. um, retailers typically double the, uh, uh, the cost. So, um, so they add hundred percent on on top of the cost. Mm -hmm. um, some high tech industries um, do ten to fifteen percent cost, and I myself, I'm I'm part of of, of a little bit part of the audiophile community. I, I like sort of that kind of stuff, and <clears throat> and and here we're talking about fifty times cost. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and but costs have nothing to do with what people are willing to pay, right? <laughs> but they have to keep up with uh, the competitors, right? And then also keep up with um, the product being uh, adding on their their pricing, right? Well, you, you to to know competitors' pricing is important. To mm -hmm. know your cost is important, but neither should be um, the basis for your pricing. Mm. And and um, 
and if, if we start with the um, the cost plus pricing, for example, <clears throat> the um, there there's one flaw with cost plus pricing that nobody thinks about, right? Um, say that you have <clears throat> a product that costs fifty bucks, and in your industry you double that, so the price is going to be a hundred, right? Mm -hmm. Now. So that means that your dollar margin is $50, right? Let's say then that you manage to, to make your manufacturing or your, you manage to reduce the cost from 50 to 40, and you still mm -hmm. have that same rule, the price is now going to be 80, right? Mm -hmm. You still have 100% you know, margin uplift, mm -hmm. but your dollar profit has gone down from 50 to 40. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like shifting your the way shifting your thought of what success is. Yeah, correct. And and if if we look at competitors pricing um the 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 um first of all it's very hard to get competitors pricing because even if your competitor, if you come, well, I mean, if you're in, 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 in direct to consumer goods, you have prices on websites and so forth. But as the, you don't know what deals this company making, you mm -hmm. don't know if the, um, if the website is geotagged. So if you come in from another area, you will see different prices. You don't know if prices are changing eight times a day. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know if um, if you know you you look at prices. You come back to the same website. You don't prices may be different, right? Mm -hmm. um, so um, and 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 setting prices to match competition is typically the first step into what I call the commoditization death spiral, mm -hmm. because. You price as competition, and then soon enough you start to have a product that is equal to competition, and you do marketing equal to competition. Mm. And if you're a commodity, the low price wins. Always. And, 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 and which means that you suddenly have less resource for more product development, for more service definitions, for marketing and you therefore you have to lower price even more and eventually um you're dead right yeah no no that's amazing because when you really think about it right especially in the government industry you mm -hmm. know i see exactly what you're saying a lot of times this price is out there and they're choosing maybe the lowest price sometimes mm -hmm. wins, right? But if they chose a higher price, they think, oh, this means that it's more quality for the product, but that in the back end, that takes away the resources because they're not going to be able to support that with that. With that's that, right. With the price on the back end. But, you know, but, so like, but I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the strategy of those to, that are successfully in selling into the government is that they come in with the absolute lowest bid and then mm -hmm. they make the money on on change orders, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, so, man. So, so what mistakes do you see companies do when they set the prices? You know, well, I mean, like I said, either just guesswork um, or set or sort of feel good pricing, gut feel pricing. 
Um, one, one, one way that people say that I, uh, you know, they say we, we price to the market, but they have mm -hmm. no idea knowing what the market is paying. Right, <laughs> so right. It's just, it's just guesswork. Now, um, and then cost plus, like I said, because uh, the, your cost, you should price above your cost, obviously, mm. but costs have nothing to do with the value that you deliver, right? Um, and then uh, competitor prices. Those are the, the, the three top pricing messages and or mistakes. Um, but then it also makes a big difference on how you present the price. Yeah. And, and um, let me tell you a story here again. And this is, uh, this is a company that you, that's, you're in the, the, the data, big data field. You know this company. It's a big company. And... <clears throat> I, I spoke to, I don't know what he was, director of marketing or something out there, but pricing had landed on, on, his, on his, um, uh, his desk. And he said to me, investors are not going to support the company anymore. We have to become profitable. But as soon as we increase our prices, uh, our revenues just drop, right? So we mm -hmm. have this problem. And I went to the company, and, and this is a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, I went to the company, company's website and went to the pricing page. And mm. it was one of these long pages that you scrolled and you scrolled and you scrolled, you know. And mm. all the text as I was scrolling down said, we are dirt cheap. We are, <laughs> we are the lowest in the industry. Well, uh -huh. there, there, there were endorsements from prior customers saying that, this company is so good because they are so cheap in their prices, right? Mm. Uh, and so forth. And so my expectation when I finally got to the prices was that they would be really, really cheap. Right. <laughs> right? Um, so so I, I spoke to the, the guy after, after just looking at the website and said, why don't you just remove all that text of how cheap you are, you know? Mm. Um, and, and, and then I followed up, you know, a month or two later, and I spoke to him again. And, and he, he told me that, well, Per, he said, um, we, took, we changed our website. We took the pricing off the website, and we, or most of the pricing off the website, and we took all that language um, of how cheap we were away, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we have doubled our prices, and we have the same sales <laughs> volume, and now we're profitable. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? So, so setting the right expectations are, are really, really important. You know. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely believe that. You know, and I, I see. I mean, as you talk about what you're saying, you know, I, what I've seen is that you know people are not. Uh, I guess necessarily trying enough different price points. I don't know if you see that a lot you know and i see that people are selling money over time they're not updating their prices as they should go along the way uh and do, do you see those some as some of the common mistakes as well oh yeah I, I, I every day almost i speak to to companies that say we haven't changed our prices for for seven years and now mm. now we have to and what what do we do <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, but the, but there there's there is um, there's really 
there are three main aspects when it comes to good pricing practice mm-hmm. that um, that very few companies really do. Now, those who do this are typically they are typically the 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 high priced market leaders. Mm-hmm. Low priced market leaders doesn't exist. It's a high priced option that are the market leaders because they with higher prices have more resource so they can develop mm-hmm. more product they can they can market more they can even hire better better and more expensive staff right mm-hmm. um so um, the so there's three um, aspects of this and and um one um, is is you you analyze your sales transactions mm. and so and this is yeah, and this is where big data comes in, right? Yeah. Um, you analyze your sales transaction not for pricing so much, but for understanding the efficiency of your organization. If you you can, for example, from um, it depends on if you have complete data of your sales transaction, but um, if it's done right, you would know from from this. Uh, analysis which regions are more profitable you would know from the um, analysis what who what salespeople give away too much discount what um, what products are more 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 uh, profitable than others and should therefore be promoted more um, what products could be pruned because they they are um, not selling very well and 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 maybe prices are too low and so forth and so so analyzing sales transaction on everything you know about your customer based on price and gross margin and the size of companies um, and and so forth is 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 important the other portion of 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 good pricing practice that is important. That's um, that's the the whole process of pricing, mm-hmm. and there's something called price waterfall where you take the mm-hmm. um, you, you you take everything from your from a company's invoice or price label if if that's how you want to look at it uh, to what money actually comes into the bank, mm-hmm. and you every step in the process, and it could be things like. Is there a step in the process that makes sure that your salespeople cannot sell from last year's price list? Right. Mm-hmm. Many companies typically don't have that. You know, <laughs> they, send, they send out price lists, you know, new year, new price list, and then there's no proper follow-up. And half the salespeople right. are selling on, on, on last year's price list, right? Yeah, um, they don't even know it. Like I've, I've I've definitely seen that even at multiple vendors that I work for mm-hmm. that I've worked for in the past. A lot of companies, I mean, not that I'm not throwing any names out there, but a lot of companies I worked for in the past, you know, the account exec are sitting there. They have the same pricing yeah. that continues to go on. I'm like, you are a large corporation. Yeah, you know, the pricing why is it still the same? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 you know steps that um, make sure that if somebody's buying quantity, they get the right quantity discount. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We did some a job for for um, for a company, uh, for example, that <clears throat> they sell uh, special specialty bulbs, um, mm-hmm. bulbs that really sits in the instrument panel of of um, and light up instrument panels of of, of aircrafts, right? And and they had one customer um, who who bought thousands, you know thousands of, of, of these of a particular bulb, you know, and then came mm-hmm. back after half a year and bought a hundred. And they got the mm-hmm. thousand, you know, thousand unit price for the one hundred. Right? Mm-hmm. They shouldn't. Um, so there needs to be process steps for that, you know. And yeah. I talk a lot about what the these process steps must be. But yeah, the they're, oh, sorry to cut you off. It just seems like they're they're looking at the uh, the quantity. Like, let me sell as much as I can. That's right. right. That's price. right. <laughs> the the um and and the third uh, and uh, and actually most important piece of good pricing practice is to understand what customers to a company are actually willing to pay. Mm. Because. If you can, if you if you know what they're willing to pay, you can price um, accordingly, so so you can maximize your profitability, right? And it's that profitability that's so important. And this goes back to to what I just said that with the one percent challenge that we started with, um, that is so important to price to match that willingness to pay, because then you don't leave money on the table, right? Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, you should you should definitely focus on that. I mean, those those are nuggets right there that I didn't I, probably has never crossed my mind. I've been working in the industry I work at for years. I mean, not that I'm focused on pricing, but what you're saying there, pair is 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 pivotal for yeah. anybody that is focused on the pricing. Those are the things they should be thinking about. And then I work a lot, like you said, in the big data industry and, yep. you know, setting the best practices is not, I guess, the data challenge, but they have companies generally already sit on like a treasure trove of data out there mm-hmm. and and analytics is important. So when you said that, I was like, man, you're right. Good analytics can help companies identify how factors like data really matter, you know, yeah. that are often overlooked. That's you know, right. such as a broader economic situation of things and yeah. product purposes and sales representing negotiations, all that stuff. But a lot of those things are overlooked uh, and they reveal what drives prices for each customer segment and product. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I may have to make NetApp listen to this because they, <laughs> they need to understand uh, pricing and maybe they'll call you or contact you during that time. That would be great, you know. So, there. Well, you know, let me let me tell you this: that um, what what specifically got me into this, and I have a um, I have a history also in the data storage industry, and um, what specifically got me into this field was a, a company that uh, was actually a um, um, a startup, but competed oh. directly with the company you just mentioned, right? Okay. And the the, um, um, the the way the company made pricing was that <clears throat> they could obviously they 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 knew sort of the price per gigabyte of of raw drives. Mm-hmm. They <clears throat> they 
they they they knew the the price of of uh, J bods, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, and and they they try to get competitors' price lists, including that company you just mentioned. And um, and the best they could get was like last year's price list, or maybe half an international price list, and mm -hmm. some um, anecdotal information from from joint customers you know mm -hmm. and <clears throat> so this is a very shaky foundation for 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 how to to set your prices you know uh, mm -hmm. they try to do it competitor based but you know it, it it both competitor and and cost based but uh, the, you know it's data wasn't there you know <clears throat> and and then they said to to themselves this company but wait, we're a little bit better, so therefore we should add a fluff factor oh, to see. what we think our our competitors are our our prices, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that fluff factor was completely based on on, on guessing, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and then of course they send out the, the, the salespeople with instructions of take the deal at any cost. <laughs> there was 65 million dollars of investor money invested into the company and Ooh. they got nine million dollars back in an asset sale in bankruptcy. oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> that hurts my soul man yeah just thinking about the loss just then yeah that's right and <laughs> and and the company the 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 technology was sold and and um, is now part of of uh, one of the major um major um storage vendors right so, i kind of want to go back to you know what what drives uh pricing right mm -hmm. um because uh, a lot of time and this is i think really a really good conversation a really good place to to settle on right now uh, because the, I think from what I'm hearing, the typical drivers that we see in the industry uh, are not what we should be looking at, you know, based off of what our conversation is saying. Because uh, when I, I look at like, um, you know, those big industries, they're using competitive pricing to mm -hmm. kind of drive what their price is going to be. You're always trying to keep up, right, with the Joneses, right, for lack of yeah. better words, right? You want to keep up with, you know, the the best of the best. Um, I mean, what does it require require for a company to sit there and say, I'm going to be unique and take sort of your path, right? Because uh, uh, if I'm sitting there as a large company and I'm like Oracle and I'm competing against, NetApp or competing mm -hmm. as IBM, right? And they're sitting there, their prices are right here. It it has to take some type of patience or something or some type of like humbleness for you to say or something for you to say, look, I, I'm not going to go compete with them because everybody's buying what they're buying right now and their pricing is right. So I got to get within this certain percentage of their pricing. You know, I mean, what, what do you see it takes for somebody to say that? Well, um, the other, there's two two um, two two um, sides of this answer. To be honest, the mm -hmm. first is that <clears throat> you, you a company gain pricing power 
by um, by earning it. You can't just increase mm. prices if you're a commodity, right? Mm -hmm. And pricing power comes from differentiation that is meaningful to the company's clients. And let me give you an example of that, right? Mm -hmm. So we did some work for a, um, a, a managed service provider. So <clears throat> they... they um, uh, they they're fairly fairly substantial uh, company in size, and <clears throat> so they had these um, uh, they had this huge data center, um, and and um, they complained obviously as a commodity that they could not increase prices because they saw themselves as a commodity, their clients saw themselves as a commodity, mm -hmm. and, and then obviously you you don't have pricing power. So, but what we found that in, 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 in working with this particular company was that um, they had one skill that was highly thought of after that, that yeah. customers of theirs were willing to pay more money for. And, mm. and that was to integrate their data center and the, the, you know, the, the, and the hosted servers and all that with AWS. Mm. They had developed a certain um, expertise in that in that uh, um, integration of traditional data centers with AWS. And people were willing to pay substantially higher prices to get access okay. to that expertise, right? Mm -hmm. so, so they were able to, to differentiate themselves um, that, uh, in, in ways that make sense, right? Mm -hmm. and, and is that differentiation but it's that they has to be based on what's important for a company's clients, right? Yeah. So, the, so does marketing play a big part in that? Because you know, I start to sit there and uh, and I saw your face a little bit. You was like, ah. <laughs> but uh, the reason why I said that is because you know I think that all right, perfect example, right? A company out here that is not. That has nothing to do with data science, mm -hmm. right? They market themselves and say, "I AI, ML, everywhere, right? Artificial intelligence, machine learning, everywhere, great, blah blah blah." You know, then they say, "All right, well, because we're getting all these people to come to us, right?" Or even maybe a, a better example would be, "Let's just let's just slow it down." A restaurant, right? Their mm -hmm. food is terrible, but because their marketing is great and they bring a lot of people, they can they can hire their price because they're not going to bring a lot of people and stuff. So they think, Oh man, I can hire, I can, I can make my price a little bit higher because people look at me and they're coming to me, not necessarily for the food. They're coming to me for the experience or something like that. And so I can drive my price up a little bit because I know I'm going to get a lot of people coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, um, do you see marketing as playing a big factor as driving price up or down at all? Well, uh, <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Um, if you <clears throat> if you uh, think about what is what is what is a brand, well, mm. a brand is a promise. It's a promise of a certain quality and of a certain consistency. Mm -hmm. And um, as we make um, as we make um, our purchase decision, mm -hmm. our fear of making the wrong decision is 2.25 times stronger than the expected benefit of that same purchase decision. 
man. Yeah. So <laughs> that is why brand matters. Mm-hmm. And 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 um, th- that is also why you can have. Um, I mean, you you can. Let's talk about aspirin for a second, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you can have, um, you know, you can buy generic aspirin um, for, uh, I don't know, five bucks for, for a little bottle of, of maybe 100 pills or 50 pills or whatever like that. Right. You can also buy uh, Bayer aspirin. The, the, the yeah, company, right. Everybody knows Bayer. <laughs> yeah, the Bayer, Bayer aspirin at three times the price, right, mm-hmm. for the same stuff. Right. Right. But um, Bayer obviously have a very profitable business selling these these um, these aspirin flasks because you know the 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 ingredients cost a few cents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but the 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 um, the importance with this is that there is a market for people who buy Bayer aspirin. Because they trust the brand, mm-hmm. right? And it's they probably sell a lot lower volume than the generics, but yeah. it's very profitable, right? On a on a per bottle uh, basis, yeah, and that quantity. that also brings another thing which is interesting, is that um, um, the the um, there's something called expectation bias when we when we look at prices, mm-hmm. and this the, what this means is that when we are being presented with a price, it sets an expectation of its benefit, mm. and this also means that if the price is lower than what we expected, we would not buy it because yeah. we yeah, you know, and we've all been there. We hold it in our hands uh, either physically or figuratively and we say to ourselves i kind of want to buy this but this is so cheap that it can't be any good right yeah now the other side of expectation bias and this is the going back to to aspirin here is that there's been numerous of of academic research um projects testing the same thing right and they've been testing and found that a five cent aspirin is not nearly as effective in curing a headache as a 50 cent aspirin, right? Mm. <laughs> so, so because you, you pay 50 cents for an aspirin, uh, mm-hmm. you expect a better outcome. And because of that, yeah. you get a better outcome. Yeah. And I, and I would say, I would think even deeper and trace it back even further and say, if they're willing to charge this much for this aspirin, then that means that they're trying to make some type of profit or something, or they're they're trying to price it to where they're making profit, which to me would mean that they put in a lot more energy and effort into making some quality aspirin That's right. <laughs> because they got to make their money back somehow, right? <laughs> and and they they may or they may not. We don't know. They may, yeah, they yeah. may or may not. You know. <laughs> And, and maybe the <laughs> maybe they buy their Bayer aspirin from the folks making generic aspirin and put it in a different bottle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it has something to do with the nudge theory, like you're nudging somebody <laughs> to do one thing or another, you know, because of that. I don't know, man. Well, you, know, you I mean, that, that brings, a, I mean, you talk about Richard Thaler. 
And, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and um, in fact, um, one of my guys here um, is taught up by Richard Toller or Dick Toller. Oh. And um, nudge theory is very important because as we make our purchase decision, mm -hmm. we are being exposed to something called the decision landscape. Mm -hmm. And the decision landscape consists of, of, of two pieces. It is what's called heuristics, which is all the internal pieces that are um, that that influence our, our buying decision. That mm -hmm. is, of course, what we've seen in advertising, what we may have read about a product or a service, what people have told us about a product or a service. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, what influences say about a product or service, what the prior experience we may have with <clears throat> the various brand choices we have and so forth. All of this internal heuristics affects our, our, our decision. And, um, and I'm actually writing a, an article for Forbes about this at the moment. Oh, um, nice. And, and, um, and then we have all the external um, influences that also affect how we make our decision. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is our the urgency we have. It is it is um, how, how the various brands we are being um, presented with, and 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 our brand associations. It's um, it's uh, it's. I mean, we've found things like. By changing, um, by changing the, the, the product name, mm -hmm. right? You can you can gain twenty percent higher sales volume, right? Mm. <laughs> because the name did not, you know, did not have a, a, a um, did not communicate value in the way that the the, the 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 potential buyers expected so all this decision landscape which is nudge theory in 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 um in in a way you know he he only talks about the external pieces not the heuristics um but um but the the um all of that influences how we make our decision and and this was and then then people say okay but I'm in B two B so it's different no it's not different mm -hmm. and and in fact this was first um, first discovered in in the early 1900s um, mm -hmm. when selling uh, office supplies to, to offices oh, right and and um, by 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 a guy called uh, uh, Torsten Veblen. Uh, mm. who was one of the leading intellectuals at the time so um, um, so it, it that decision landscape is so important and that's why advertising works yeah. <laughs> because is, it does. is that why you have the uh, 999 right? no. like, is that, <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder you know why in the world I mean, you know when you're building a business that's one of the things you start to realize that you know, uh, there's something about that 0.99 there. There's a reason why that's there. Well, Instead of uh, well, so explain that to us, please. <laughs> well, first off, <laughs> 9.97 will lead to about 3% higher sales volume than 9.99. That's mm. the first thing, right? Um, <clears throat> the, the other is that um, 
when we if you compared 997 or 995 to 10 um, we see um, it's better to do it if we if we do 49.99 versus 50 right mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> what I see then I I look at the first digit and it's 40 something versus mm -hmm. 50 something mm -hmm. so in our minds not for everybody of course but as we make this very quick decision um, it it appears that it's a ten dollar difference mm. because that very first digit is so much more dominant as we read through the prices oh man yeah it is it's funny because when you're trying to create a product and you have a pricing strategy. Well, actually, most the majority of people, unless you are involved with pricing a lot or marketing, you're not even going to think about it, right? Until mm -hmm. you start to get into that part where you have to sell this product. And then you hear and you're not really understanding why people do the things they do. You know, uh, you, you say, well, let me use my competitors and, and let me match the pricing that they're doing, right? You mm -hmm. know? But it is a better understanding to understand this 499 versus five. It does look like it's this big difference. Yep. Yeah. And and but but it's also very important to, to realize that this is something that is very effective when it comes to commodity products, which are sold <clears throat> on low price only. If mm. if you have a product that is not commodity where you want to um, message uniqueness and unique value and high quality and so forth, then you should not price on the nine. Mm. Okay. And, and, and um, <clears throat> um, I mean, uh, the, the, it, it, you can see luxury goods are never priced on the nine. They never are. Yeah, I never, I never, I never realized that. <laughs> you know, you 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 never have a twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine and ninety nine dollar Rolex. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't. Yeah. So 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 um, so so when 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 you want to message um. That uh, and <clears throat> one more thing on on that uh, that sort of um, emphasized is 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 um, when uh, there's something called um, price anchoring as well, which is also very important. Mm. And <clears throat> what what price anchoring means is that when you want to sell something, um, the the you want to present your potential buyers with a really high price mm -hmm. uh, of something they won't buy. <laughs> so you have a good, better, best strategy that you should always have a good, better, best product strategy or service strategy. Right? Oh, where, you, and, where you're really trying to get them to buy this one thing, but you, that, you, okay. <laughs> you, what you want is that the, the, the good, the cheapest version is so limited that nobody really wants it. Right. And it was the best to be so expensive that nobody can afford it, right? Mm -hmm. But then the way you present this 
is that you're going to present this um, to have the, the, the best first. And as we read, top to bottom, left to right, means that the best is going to be uh, to, the, to the left and, and if, if possible, higher up than the, the others, right? No because theory. Yeah. No that, <laughs> because that means that the other choices look more affordable. Uh -huh. And the, the most brilliant, since we talked about um, watches here, the most brilliant example of this I've ever seen was when Apple came out with a watch. Uh -huh. And the, the, the mass market product was $349, right? Yeah. And it ends on a nine, right? Um, but then they also had a version, exactly the same electronics in a, in a golden case for $17,000. Yeah. And every journalist who wrote about this, and of course, those who were in the market, early adopters for for that watch, they read a lot of articles about the watch, right? And all of them were exposed to the audacity of Apple to have the same electronics being sold for 17,000 as for 349. Mm -hmm. And every time somebody wrote, read that, that 349 became more and more and more affordable. Oh man. And I, you know, I've I've just I've advised a whole bunch of 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 um, restaurants. You know, they're too small; they can't. You know, they 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 typically can't uh, afford our services. But um, the the although chains can, um, the the I've said to them, put something on the top left corner of your menu that is really unique. You know, it's a family. It could be. You know, it could be some really unique and expensive um, dish and ingredients, and you make it into a family meal with all all beer and wine and everything included, and it's going to be god awful exp expensive, mm -hmm. and nobody's ever going to buy it, or maybe very very rarely, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then you can you can charge whatever you want for the rest of what's on the menu because they have this anchor. That is really expensive, right? And and um, and and uh, obviously, I followed up with with these restaurants, and they said, you know, we 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 increased our price with twenty five percent, and we did what you told us, and nobody nobody noticed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the objective is you're not really gonna you're gonna really you you will rarely buy that very expensive item. Yeah, exactly. And, and it makes everything else look more affordable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, Perry. I I I, I want to say, man, you have given us so many nuggets. I mean, I couldn't even jot down all the notes, you know. So I'm definitely going to review this recording a hundred times. You know, <laughs> I think that um, uh, people need to understand that pricing is more important than what they think. A lot of times, yeah. they skip past the pricing portion. You know. I would I would really encourage the the um, the audience here to to really two things. Um, uh, I have a new book out called The Price Whisper, mm -hmm. and um, uh, it's on Amazon. It's a Kindle book. Um, the uh, uh, the paper version isn't printed yet for some reason, um, and um, so it's called The Price Whisper: uh, A Holistic Approach to Pricing Power. Mm -hmm. um, 
I also have on uh, on on my company's website, I have a masterclass in pricing. Those are uh, 19 video episodes where I go through a lot of the things that we talked about and much more. Um, and um, and and the best way, I mean, if somebody is interested, the best way of finding me is Google. You just Google oh. the Price Whisperer. Mm -hmm. Is everything on your website as well? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Okay. So definitely check that out as well, audience. You know. Yeah. Okay. So really quick, I want to dive into some fun stuff, right? Yes. You know, really quick, because a lot of times, you know, I, I always mention this to the guests that you know we are looked at as geeks. We dive into our craft. We love it to death. And and our audience or people that are not even geeky like us, right? They <laughs> they a lot of times they sit there and they say, man. Do they do anything else or care about anything else other than their craft? I mean, they're they're just deep deep into it. They have no life, blah blah blah. <laughs> but we do have a life. Okay, we care about ice cream. We care about cheese. We well, we have opinions about it. Not to say we like it, but we have opinions about it. So if you ask us, we definitely will drop our opinions in there. So I want to play a game as always. Uh, it's called Overrated Underrated. Are you ready for the game? Absolutely. Okay, now the game I got from Gary V, a motivational speaker that I love, uh, and, and and basically I am going to ask the guests to see, throw out a series of topics. They get to decide whether it's overrated, underrated, or right where it needs to be based off of their own opinion. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, the first one is being uh, in L.A. right now, Hollywood films. Oh, overrated. Overrated? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you can give your opinion as to why if you want, or you can just keep it moving. So no, I, I, I it's just very, very simple. I'm, I'm just not very much for movies, and, and obviously, um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles, and, and um, um, it's probably I, overwhelming. You might see it, somebody. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm, I'm living not very far from um, several well-known stars. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I can definitely uh, see how that can be probably overwhelming. We're like, look, man, I'm, I, I don't <laughs> want to deal with this. So, okay, jazz music. Oh, I love it. Love it. Yep, underrated. Yeah. Underrated, underrated, yep. underrated. All right, skyscrapers. Um, I think um, overrated. Overrated. Okay, yeah. okay. All right, celebrities. <laughs> Definitely overrated. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> again, you know, I um, because because I mean, I, I a month ago I I had a dinner party and we had a couple of, of a list celebrities at my house. You know, they're nice mm -hmm. people um, yeah. because they come to the. They're not like the B B actors that. Only talk about themselves. Oh yeah! When yeah, you see. come over Love that, that. Um, it's uh, they're, they're often nice people. Not all. Okay. Of them. <clears throat> all right. Social media. That is a very interesting. Um, or it can be right it, where it needs it, to be. Well, I I think it's from from a influence point of view. I think it's underrated. Yeah. From a um, uh, Time from, a, from a marketing effectiveness, I think is under, uh, I think is overrated. Okay, all right. 
Okay, ice cream. Uh, overrated. Okay, all right. The printer. The printer? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's underrated. Underrated? Yeah. Oh man, you know, I. Uh, it, it it depends who I talk to, man. You know, I I'm kind of over the printer. Uh, actually, I'm. I, it's funny because I I I'm as as technical as I can be. Right. I have issues with the printer. It's like that's my 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 enemy all the time. <laughs> it's a new printer, you know, it'll go out in a year. I'm thinking, why are you not working? You know, you gotta, you know, it's just I, I have my enemy with Google. You, with Google? Because <laughs> you know, they you try to log into something Google, Google Sheets and something like that, and it tells me that I'm not allowed to log in and I have to go through the whole thing of trying to restore passwords and stuff like that and it's a nightmare uh -huh. yeah yeah it does become a nightmare it's, it's in your way you know yeah. that's what it is yeah, yeah. So. all right two more things watches um underrated oh oh yeah yeah i like it i like it <laughs> now all right the last one um so you are originally from sweden yes right have you been back and worked in Sweden at all? Yeah, I have my. Um, I was there about a month ago to just to spend a couple of days with my ninety-one-year-old mom. Okay, all right. Sweden's ice hotel. I don't know if you've been there before. Ice, ice hotel. Um, I think it's overrated. It's overrated. Oh yeah. man, coming from the Swedish person himself. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's it's just very cold. It is. Oh, okay, okay. okay well, obviously, okay. it's got to be, it's got to be below freezing. Otherwise, it all melts, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. And, so, yeah, yeah, being in there, definitely. I, I, I haven't been there, but um, but I, uh, I I think it's a really cool idea, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's and and then they have in the bar, you know, the bar is all by ice and and you get yeah. the glasses are all shaped ice that are shaped like glasses and stuff mm -hmm. like that. keep your, yeah, yeah. your drink uh, cold yeah i wonder if it's one of those things where you got to try it once right maybe you gotta I yeah know. i think you should try it once <laughs> but i hate the cold too so it's not really on my radar <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and it's, it's far away yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Pierre. I, I really appreciate you being on the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data a passion. I have been your host, Dapper Data. It has been a pleasure hosting you, Pierre. It has been a, a, an honor. You know, you have definitely given insight to our our audience, you know, and I think they really will appreciate everything you've done. Where can they reach you at, Pierre? And is there well, anything that you want to promote? No, like, I, I mean, you can go to PierreShowforce.com. You can also go to Showforce.com. Um, or just Google the price whisper. That's the easiest. Okay. All right. Cool. And definitely look out for his book. Uh, yep. Definitely check it out on Amazon, as mentioned before. Audience, as you know, you can always reach me at Mr. Dapper Data. That's at percent sign uh, M R D A P P E R D A T A on any one of the social media platforms. Definitely check out my book on how to uh, increase profits with social media analytics. It's a great book out there. Thank you, Pear. I Thank appreciate you. it. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show to make data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. Audience, 
you have to tune into this because today is going to be a wild moment. I promise you, you have to understand that we have talked about artificial intelligence, right? Supervised learning, we unsupervised learning, we delve, we delve into that. Uh, we talked about machine learning. You know, we brought in some people that actually uh, don't even know that they're dealing with data-driven decision-making on a daily basis. But we never, we never, I promise you in the, and I don't know if we're going to do this even after this podcast, right? <laughs> Talk about pricing strategies and data and how it all relates. And so if you think about retail pricing strategies, right, that's come a long way, you know, thanks to AI and data science, right, along the way, you know, they're offering retailers visibility into best practices for like how they uh, should to price their inventory across the product lifecycle. Those type of things are very important, okay? And you have that win-win for the business and the shopper's value perception. Great, all right? How does that all work? Why does pricing matter so much? And I brought an expert, as you know, I like to bring an expert on. We're gonna talk about the markdowns. We're gonna talk about the competitive insights, the retail customers. We're, we're gonna dive into this deep, okay? And you're going to be able to say, you might come out of it and say, look, I want to be in that field. I want to be a pricing expert, right? <laughs> so I brought on somebody, an expert. His name is Pear. And he is also called the, 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 the outstanding, the outstanding. I tell you right now, this person right here is, is going to change your whole mindset. Okay. The price whisperer. All right. Just keep that name in mind because he's going to tell you the background behind it. It's going to be amazing. So, Parrot, thank you for coming on the, uh, the podcast. Uh, say hello to the audience. Well, thank you very much for having me. I I, I hope this is going to be <clears throat> I hope this is going to be interesting and maybe even entertaining for the audience. And and certainly, I will give you some tips uh, that that you can all start to hopefully use already later today. Yeah, 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 definitely. Thank you, Pear. I appreciate it. You know, so Pear is a thought leader in the industry and everything pricing related and how companies can use pricing to drive higher growth, sales volume and profits. Uh, Pear has been a sought after speaker in various conferences, appears on, uh, on, on, on various podcasts and, and business radio shows and gets root, routinely quoted in the financial and business press. So he is for sure an expert in this field, okay? And so you really need to tune into this, this podcast because Pear is going to drop some real serious nuggets, okay? His book, The Price Whisperer, is, is available right now at booksellers nationwide and online. So we're definitely going to have to tune into that. Uh, Pear, tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, you know, I uh, first of all, I... I, I... I didn't um, invent this uh, moniker of mine, the price was <laughs> the, the, the story is that uh, um, I was um, I was in a fairly large networking group here in Los Angeles and, and I did presentations to the group and, and we're talking about you know a couple of hundred people um, several times and and uh, got known as the, the the expert in pricing. so uh, they started to call me price the price whisper. Oh. And 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 if nothing else, because I got such a wacky name, I mean, it mm -hmm. makes perfect sense in my native Sweden or Scandinavia, I should say. 
um, but um, but not so much here in the U.S. and, and in most other countries. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's why I adopted the moniker, and and um, um, so I'm you you know my story, if you like, is that I <clears throat> I had a chance to to run a couple of companies in in Europe, and uh, one out of Zurich in Switzerland and one out of London. And um, and then I came here to the U.S. in the mid '90s um, <clears throat> to establish and run a division of a fairly large public company, and um, and then I had another four CEO jobs. Um, we did experiments with pricing in these um, in these companies uh, only because I was interested in it, and some of those experiments were very successful, meaning that next quarter revenues are up twenty five percent. Others were complete duds, and most were inconclusive. So um, 15 years ago, I decided I was too old and too opinionated to be <laughs> a gun, you know. So, so, um, so I, I decided to take that interest in pricing and, and uh, develop a process that uh, would make every pricing experiment a success. And, and, and that is the process that we still use. You know, it's, it's more advanced. Um, we now have AI software that supports it that we mm -hmm. developed. Um, but the, in, in, in essence, the, the, the process is the same. So, and it was th then, it was designed to be, um, to meet the needs that I felt that I, that I had when I ran these companies, you know. It doesn't come out of um, doesn't come out of academia. It doesn't come out of of theories that has nothing to do with with business reality. It's just very practical, you know. So, so to make those decisions, you know, and I, I appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm super excited about this because I have probably a ridiculous amount of questions, you know. But I'll, <laughs> I'll let the audience guide me later, you know. Uh, but but I. You know, pricing, a lot of times we skip that part. You know, I, I see it in the industry, especially the vendor industry. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I'm not necessarily a part of it. I don't want to say we skip it, but I don't think that we put as much emphasis, emphasis on the pricing strategy and why it is important. Okay. And, you know, I see there, I, I think about, when I think about pricing, right, when when I knew I had uh, you on the podcast, I thought, man, pricing is important. And I said, why? Why is it so important? Right. And it defines that value, you know, of like your worth and stuff, you know, for you to make uh, and for your customers to make the, these these tangible price point decisions, it seems like. Uh, can you tell me? why pricing matters tell the audience why is pricing so important in the industry yeah the the um the, there's a couple of things that i think is interesting first off um as you said in in the intro here um businesses want to make decisions based on data right and mm -hmm. and 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 that data um obviously comes from a, a variety of sources but the one thing where data is rarely used is pricing, right? Mm. And and um, and and well, pricing. I should say optimized pricing, maybe, because every time 
every time somebody buys something, there, there is a certain willingness to pay. There is a certain urgency. There is a certain um, uh, there's a certain um, use case. There are certain drivers that drives that purchase decision. And and whether it's B two B or B two C, it's it's all the same. Um, <clears throat> and the pricing is so important for a couple of reasons. Um, first off, and I'd like you you and the audience to, to make a little thought experiment here. Mm -hmm. um, every company has a resulting profit that comes from only three variables, right? It's the total cost of the operation, it's the total sales volume of whatever the company is selling, and it's the price of whatever you're selling. That's how simple it is on the from the very top level. Mm -hmm. And... And, and um, I said a thought experiment. So let's imagine that you can change one of those 1%, right? So if, if you can increase your sales volume for the average company, profit goes up with 3.5%, with not mm -hmm. very much, right? If you can reduce your cost with 1%, profitability goes up with 5.5%. Mm -hmm. But if you can increase your price with 1%, or if you can decrease your discount with 1%, profitability goes up with 11.3% for the average. Company. Oh, man. Right? Now, I, I'd like to use this and, and think about it as, as, as the 1% challenge. And mm -hmm. you know what the challenge is? What? The challenge is, have you ever failed to change anything 1%? Right? Yeah. <laughs> of course you haven't. You yeah, know? yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so so when, when you start thinking about pricing in that context on how it drives profitability in a company, um, you're not going to change your prices 1%, you know? You're not going to say to the salespeople, sorry, guys, um, you can't discount 20% anymore. You're going to mm -hmm. tell them you can only discount 10% from now on, right? <laughs> and suddenly yeah, you yeah. doubled your profits, right? Roughly, if you're like the average company. And, and, um, and why is profit so important? Well, profits is so important because that drives every company forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a company and you're not profitable, you're being supported yeah. by investors. And yeah. investors will eventually get tired of supporting you. <laughs> yeah, because you're not making profit off of it. Yeah. That. And I mean, if you if you if you if you make that one percent um 1% challenge on Amazon, right? Mm. They would, if they could increase prices 1%, their profitability will um, go up with 49%. Yeah. Is it, is it, is the reason why that 1% is so important? Is it because of the human mind? Would you say like the human, a customer typically, an increase in one percent is like, oh, that's nothing to me. Exactly. You know, yeah. I'll pay. I'll pay the one percent increase. That well, yeah. I mean, good practice for every company is to 
increase prices with a few percent every year. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have returning customers, which um, I hope you in the audience have to your companies, um, nobody's going to notice, you know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, the first year is not going to make a big difference for you. When you've done it for four or five years, it's going to have, you know, the, the, the changes are compounded and it's going to be hugely different. But um, yeah. I, I, I said that um, businesses want to be data-driven, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and then pricing is often not data-driven at all. Um, and let me give you an example of that. You know, the 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 <clears throat> I had a, spoke to a um, the, the 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 CEO of a of a of a SaaS company. This was a little while back, and um, and he said that I've decided that our price is going to be hundred sixty five dollars per user per month. Mm-hmm. And then he continued saying, but I don't know. Maybe it should have been 99. Maybe it should have been 250. Mm-hmm. But 165 just felt right. Yeah. Is that the right <laughs> That's price? That's the decision. <laughs> I mean, that, give me a break. That is not the right price. I, I can find <laughs> out what the right price. I can't pull the, the price out of a hat like he did, mm-hmm. you know, because there is no feel-good price that is right. 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 Um, the, the Another... So this is this is guessing, you know, and another um, very common mistake, of course, is to use cost as as the price, right? So you say um, different industries have have different rules of thumb for 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 what uh, uplift they should use, you know, on top of cost. And mm-hmm. if you look at uh, old school manufacturing industries, they they look at cost of you know cost of goods sold and they add maybe 35% or maybe 50% and that's the price mm-hmm. um, retailers typically double the uh, uh, the cost so um, so they add 100% on on top of the cost mm-hmm. um, some high tech industries um, do 10 to 15% cost and i myself i'm I'm part of, of of a little bit part of the audiophile community. I, I like sort of that kind of stuff, and 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 here we're talking about fifty times cost, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and but costs have nothing to do with what people are willing to pay, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they have to keep up with uh, the competitors, right? And then also keep up with. Um, the product being uh, adding on their their pricing, right? Well, you, you to to know competitors' pricing is important. Mm-hmm. To know your cost is important, but neither should be um, the basis for your pricing. Mm. And and um, and if if we start with the um, the cost plus pricing, for example. <clears throat> the um, there there's one flaw with cost plus pricing that nobody thinks about, right? Um, say that you have <clears throat> a product that costs fifty bucks, and in your industry you double that, so the price is going to be a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. 
Now, that means that your dollar margin is $50, right? Let's say then that you manage to, to make your manufacturing or your, you manage to reduce the cost from 50 to 40, and you still have that same rule, the price is now going to be 80, right? Mm -hmm. You still have 100% you know, margin uplift, mm -hmm. but your dollar profit has gone down from 50 to 40. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like shifting your the way shifting your thought of what success is. Yeah, correct. And and if if we look at competitors pricing, um, the 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 um, first of all, it's very hard to get competitors pricing because even if your competitor, if you come, well, I mean, if you're in. In, in, in direct-to-consumer goods, you have prices on websites and so forth. But as the, you don't know what deals this company making. You mm -hmm. don't know if the, um, if the website is geotagged. So if you come in from another area, you will see different prices. You don't know if prices are changing eight times a day, right? Mm -hmm. um, you don't know if... Um, if you know you you look at prices, you come back to the same website. You don't prices may be different, right? Mm -hmm. um, so um, and 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 setting prices to match competition is typically the first step into what I call the commoditization death spiral, mm -hmm. because you price as competition. And then soon enough, you start to have a product that is equal to competition and you do marketing equal to competition. Mm. And if you're a commodity, the low price wins. Always. And, 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 and which means that you suddenly have less resource for more product development, for more service definitions, for marketing. And you therefore, you have to lower price even more. And eventually... Um, you're dead, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's amazing because when you really think about it, right, especially in the government industry, you mm -hmm. know, I see exactly what you're saying. A lot of times this price is out there and they're choosing maybe the lowest price sometimes mm -hmm. wins, right? But if they chose a higher price, they think, oh, this means that it's more quality, for the product, but that in the back end, that takes away the resources because they're not going to be able to support that with that. That's with right. That, with the price on the back end, but you know, but, so it's like, but I mean, that's that's the strategy of those to, that are successful in selling into the government is that they come in with the absolute lowest bid, and then mm -hmm. they make the money on on change orders, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. man. So, so what mistakes do you see companies do when they set the prices? You know, well, I mean, like I said, either just guesswork um, or set or sort of feel good pricing, gut feel pricing. Um, one 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 way that people say that I, uh, you know, they say we we price to the market, but they have mm -hmm. no idea knowing what the market is paying. Right, <laughs> it's right. Just, it's just guesswork. <laughs> Now, um, and then cost plus, like I said, because uh, the, your cost, you should price above your cost, obviously, mm. but costs have nothing to do with the value that you deliver, right? Mm. 
um, and then uh, competitor prices. Those are the, the, the three top pricing messages and or mistakes. Um, but then it also makes a big difference on how you present the price. Yeah. And, and um, let me tell you a story here again. And this is, uh, this is a company that you, that's, you're in the, the, the data, big data field, you know this company. It's a big company. And <clears throat> I, I spoke to, I don't know what he was, director of marketing or something out there, but pricing had landed on, on, his, on his, um, uh, his desk. And he said to me, investors are not going to support the company anymore. We have to become profitable. But as soon as we increase our prices, uh, our revenues just drop. Right, so we mm -hmm. have this problem, and I went to the company, and, and this is a multi-billion-dollar company. Uh, I went to the company, company website, and went to the pricing page, and mm -hmm. it was one of these long pages that you scrolled and you scrolled and you scrolled, you know, and mm -hmm. all the text as I was scrolling down said, "We are dirt cheap. We are <laughs> we are the lowest in the industry." Well, wow. there, there, there were endorsements from prior customers saying that this company is so good because they are so cheap in their prices, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. And so my expectation when I finally got to the prices was that they would be really, really cheap. Right. <laughs> right? Um, so so I, I spoke to the, the guy after, after just looking at the website and said, why don't you just remove all that text of how cheap you are, you know? Mm. Um, and, and, and then I followed up, you know, a month or two later, and I spoke to him again. And, and he, he told me that, well, Per, he said, um, we, took, we changed our website. We took the pricing off the website, and we, or most of the pricing off the website, and we took all that language um, of how cheap we were away right mm -hmm. and we we have doubled our prices and we have the same sales <laughs> volume and now we're profitable mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? so so setting the right expectations are, are really really important you know so, yeah no I, I definitely believe that you know and i i see i mean as you talk about what you're saying you know i what i've seen is that you know people are not uh, I guess necessarily trying enough the different price points. I don't know if you see that a lot, you know, and I see that people are selling money over time. They're not updating their prices as they should go along the way. Uh, and do, do you see those some, as some of the common mistakes as well? Oh, yeah. I, 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 every day almost I speak to, to companies that say, we haven't changed our prices for, for seven years. And now, hmm. now we have to. And what what do we do? <laughs> you know. Um, but the, but there there's there is um, there's really there are three main aspects when it comes to good pricing practice mm -hmm. that um, that very few companies really do. Now, those who do this are typically they are typically the 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 high priced market leaders. Low priced market leaders doesn't exist. It's a high priced option that are the market leaders because 
they, with higher prices, have more resource. So they can develop Ooh. more product. They can, they can market more. They can even hire better, better and more expensive staff. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, and the, so there's three um, aspects of this, and and um, one um, is is you you analyze your sales transactions. Mm. And so and this is okay. yeah, and this is where big data comes in, right? Um, you analyze your sales transaction not for pricing so much, but for understanding the efficiency of your organization. If you you can, for example, from um, and it depends on if you have complete data of your sales transaction, and, but um, if it's done right, you would know from from this uh, analysis which regions are more profitable. You would know from the um, analysis what who what salespeople give away too much discount, what yeah. um, what products are more 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 uh, profitable than others and should therefore be promoted more, um, what products could be pruned because they they are um, not selling very well and 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 maybe prices are too low and so forth, and so so. <clears throat> Analyzing sales transaction on everything you know about your customer based on price and gross margin and the size of companies um, and, and so forth is, 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 is important. The other portion of, of, of good pricing practice that is important, that's, um, that's the, the whole process of pricing. Mm -hmm. And there's something called price waterfall, where you take the, mm -hmm. um, you, you you take everything from your from a company's invoice or price label, if if that's how you want to look at it, uh, to what money actually comes into the bank, mm -hmm. and you every step in the process, and it could be things like, is there a step in the process that makes sure that your salespeople cannot sell from last year's price list right mm -hmm. many companies typically don't have that you know <laughs> they, send, they send out price lists you know new year new price list and then there's no proper follow-up and half the sales right. people are selling on 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 last year's price list right yeah um, i don't even know it like and, I've, I've, I've definitely seen that even at multiple vendors that i work for mm -hmm. that i've worked for in the past a lot of companies, I mean, not that I'm not throwing any names out there, but a lot of companies I worked for in the past, you know, the account exec are sitting there and they have the same pricing yeah. that continues to go on. I'm like, you are a large corporation. Yeah. You know, the pricing, why is it still the same? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, steps that um, make sure that if somebody's buying quantity, they get the right quantity discount. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We did some, a job for for um, for a company, uh, for example, that <clears throat> they sell uh, special specialty bulbs, um, mm -hmm. bulbs that really sits in the instrument panel of of um, and light up instrument panels of of, of aircrafts, right? And and they had one customer um, who who bought thousands, you know. 
thousands of, of, of these of a particular bulb, you know, and then came mm -hmm. back after half a year and bought a hundred. And they got the mm -hmm. thousand, you know, thousand unit price for the 100. Right? Mm -hmm. They shouldn't. Um, so there needs to be process steps for that, you know, and yeah. I talk a lot about what the, these process steps must be. But yeah, they're, oh, sorry to cut you off. It just seems like they're they're looking at the uh, the quantity. Like, let me sell as much as I can. That's right. right. The that's price. Right. <laughs> the the um and and the third uh, and uh, and actually most important piece of good pricing practice is to understand what customers to a company are actually willing to pay. Mm. Because. If you can, if you if you know what they're willing to pay, you can price um, accordingly, so so you can maximize your profitability, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that profitability that's so important. And this goes back to to what I just said that with the one percent challenge that we started with, um, that is so important to price to match that willingness to pay, because then you don't leave money on the table, right? Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, you should you should definitely focus on that. I mean, those those are nuggets right there that I didn't I, probably has never crossed my mind. I've been working in the industry I work at for years. I mean, not that I'm focused on pricing, but what you're saying there, pair is 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 pivotal for yeah. anybody that is focused on the pricing. Those are the things they should be thinking about. And then I work a lot, like you said, in the big data industry and, yep. you know, setting the best practices is not, I guess, the data challenge, but they have companies generally already sit on like a treasure trove of data out there. Mm -hmm. And and analytics is important. So when you said that, I was like, man, you're right. Good analytics can help companies identify how factors like data really matter, you know, yeah. that are often overlooked. That's you know, right. such as a broader economic situation of things and yeah. product purposes and sales representative negotiations, all that stuff. But a lot of those things are overlooked uh, and they reveal what drives prices for each customer segment and product. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I might have to make NetApp listen to this because they, <laughs> they need to understand uh, pricing and maybe they'll call you or contact you during that time. That would be great, you know. So, there. Well, you know, let me let me tell you this: that um, what what specifically got me into this, and I have a um, I have a history also in the data storage industry, and um, what specifically got me into this field was a, a company that uh, was actually a um, um, a startup, but competed oh. directly with the company you just mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. And the the, um, um, the the way the company made pricing was that <clears throat> they could obviously they 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 knew sort of the price per gigabyte of, of raw drives. Mm -hmm. They <clears throat> they 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 knew the the price of of uh, JBODs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, and and they they try to get competitors' price lists, including that company you just mentioned, and um, and the best they could get was like last year's price list, or maybe half an international price list, and mm -hmm. some um, anecdotal 
information from from joint customers you know mm-hmm. and <clears throat> so this is a very shaky foundation for 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 how to to set your prices you know uh, mm-hmm. they try to do it competitive based but you know it it, it both, both competitor and and cost based but uh, the, you know it's data wasn't there you know <clears throat> and and then they said to to themselves this company but wait we're a little bit better so therefore we should add a fluff factor no, what see. we think our our competitors are yeah. our our prices you know mm-hmm. and, and that fluff factor was completely based on 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 guessing right mm-hmm. and um and then of course they send out the the, the sales people with instructions of take the deal at any cost. <laughs> there was $65 million of investor money invested into the company and Ooh. they got $9 million back in an asset sale in bankruptcy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts my soul, man. Yeah. Just thinking about the loss just then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and and the company the, the the technology was sold and and uh, is now part of of uh, one of the major um, major um, storage vendors. Right. So, I kind of want to go back to, you know, what what drives uh, pricing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, a lot of time, and this is I think really a really good conversation, a really good place to to settle on right now. Uh, because the, I think from what I'm hearing, the typical drivers that we see in the industry uh, are not what we should be looking at, you know, based off of what our conversation is saying. Because uh, when I, I look at like, um, you know, those big industries, they're using competitive pricing to mm-hmm. kind of drive what their price is going to be. You're always trying to keep up, right, with the Joneses, right, for lack of better yeah. words, right? You want to keep up with, you know, the the best of the best. Um, I mean, what does it require require for a company to sit there and say, I'm going to be unique and take sort of your path, right? Because uh, uh, if I'm sitting there as a large company and I'm like Oracle and I'm competing against, NetApp or competing mm-hmm. as IBM, right? And they're sitting there, their prices are right here. It it has to take some type of patience or something or some type of like humbleness for you to say or something for you to say, look, I, I'm not going to go compete with them because everybody's buying what they're buying right now and their pricing is right. So I got to get within this certain percentage of their pricing. You know, I mean, what, what do you see it takes for somebody to say that? Well, um, the other, there's two two um, two two um, sides of this answer. To be honest, the mm-hmm. first is that <clears throat> you, you a company gain pricing power by um, by earning it. You can't just increase mm-hmm. prices if you're a commodity, right? Mm-hmm. And pricing power comes from differentiation that is meaningful to the company's clients. And let me give you an example of that, right? Mm-hmm. So we did some work for a, um, a, a managed service provider. So <clears throat> they, they um, 
uh, they the fairly fairly substantial uh, companies in size, and <clears throat> so they had these um, uh, they had this huge data center, um, and and um, they complained obviously as a commodity that they could not increase prices because they saw themselves as a commodity. Their clients saw themselves as a commodity, mm -hmm. and, and then obviously you you don't have pricing power. So, but what we found that in 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 working with this particular company was that um, they had one skill that was highly thought of, or after that that mm -hmm. customers of theirs were willing to pay more money for, and, mm -hmm. and that was. To integrate their data center and the, the you know the, the and the hosted servers and all that with AWS, mm. they had developed a certain um, expertise in that in that um, um, integration of traditional data centers with AWS, and people were willing to pay substantially higher prices to get access okay. to that expertise, right? Mm -hmm. So, so they were able to to differentiate themselves um, that uh, in in ways that make sense, right? Mm -hmm. And and is that differentiation? But it that they has to be based on what's important for a company's clients, right? Yeah. So, the, so does marketing play a big part in that? Because you know, I start to sit there and. Uh, and I saw your face a little bit. You was like, ah. <laughs> but uh, the reason why I said that is because, you know, I think that, all right, perfect example, right? A company out here that is not, that has nothing to do with data science, mm -hmm. right? They market themselves and say, I, AI, ML everywhere, right? Artificial intelligence, machine learning everywhere. Great, blah, blah, blah. You know, then they say, all right, well, because we're getting all these people to come to us. Right. Or even maybe a, a better example would be let's just let's just slow it down. A restaurant. Right. Their mm -hmm. food is terrible, but because their marketing is great and they bring a lot of people, they can they can hire their price because they're not going to bring a lot of people and stuff. So they think, oh, man, I can hire I can I can make my price a little bit higher because people look at me and they're coming to me, not necessarily for the food, they're coming to me for the experience or something like that. And so I can drive my price up a little bit because I know I'm going to get a lot of people coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, um, do you see marketing as playing a big factor as driving price up or down at all? Well, uh, <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Um, if you, <clears throat> if you uh, think about what is, what is, what is a brand? Well, a brand is a promise. It's a promise of a certain quality and of a certain consistency. Uh -huh. And um, as we make, um, as we make um, our purchase decision, uh -huh. our fear of making the wrong decision is 2.25 times stronger than the expected benefit of that same purchase decision. Man. Yeah. So <laughs> that is why brand matters. Mm -hmm. And 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 um th that is also why you can have um I mean you you can th th let's talk about aspirin for a second, right? Mm -hmm. Um that's why you can have um you know you can buy generic aspirin 
um, for, uh, I don't know, five bucks for, for a little bottle of, of maybe 100 pills or 50 pills or whatever like that. Right. You can also buy uh, Bayer aspirin. The, the, the yeah, company, right. yeah, everybody knows Bayer. <laughs> yeah, the Bayer, Bayer aspirin at three times the price, right, mm -hmm. for the same stuff. Right. right. But um, Bayer obviously have a very profitable business selling these these um, these aspirin flasks because you know the 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 ingredients cost a few cents, right? Mm. Um, but but the 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 um, the importance with this is that there is a market for people who buy Bayer aspirin because they trust the brand. Mm -hmm. Right, and there, it's they probably sell a lot lower volume than the generics, but yeah. it's very profitable, right? On a on a per bottle uh, basis, yeah, and that quantity. that also brings another thing which is interesting, is that um, um, the the um, there's something called expectation bias when we when we look at prices, mm -hmm. and this the, what this means is that. When we are being presented with a price, it sets an expectation of its benefit. Mm. And this also means that if the price is lower than what we expected, we would not buy it because yeah. we, you know, and we've all been there. We hold it in our hands, uh, either physically or figuratively. And we say to ourselves, I kind of want to buy this, but this is so cheap that it can't be any good, right? Yeah. Now, the other side of expectation bias, and this is the going back to, to aspirin here, is that there's been numerous of, of academic research um, projects testing the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. And they've been testing and found that a five-cent aspirin is not nearly as effective in curing a headache as a 50-cent aspirin, right? Mm. <laughs> So, so because you you pay fifty cents for an aspirin, uh, mm -hmm. you expect a better outcome, and because of that, yeah. you get a better outcome. Yeah, and I and I would say I would think even deeper and trace it back even further and say, if they're willing to charge this much for this aspirin, then that means that they're trying to make some type of profit or something or. They're they're trying to price it to where they're making profit, which to me would mean that they put in a lot more energy and effort into making some quality aspirin. That's right. <laughs> because they got to make their money back somehow, right? <laughs> and and they they may or they may not. We don't know. They may yeah they yeah. may or may not you know that's, <laughs> and that's and just maybe. The Maybe they buy their Bayer aspirin from the folks making generic aspirin and put it in a different bottle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it has something to do with the nudge theory, like you're nudging somebody to do one thing or another, you know, because of that. I don't know, man. Well, you, know? you I mean, that, that brings, uh, I mean, you talk about Richard Thaler. And, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and um, in fact, um, one of my guys here um, is taught up by Richard Toller or Dick Toller. Oh. And um, nudge theory is very important because as we make our purchase decision, mm -hmm. we are being exposed to something called the decision landscape. 
Mm-hmm. And the decisional landscape consists of, of, of two pieces. It is what's called heuristics, which is all the internal pieces that are um, that that influence our, our buying decision. That mm-hmm. is, of course, what we've seen in advertising, what we may have read about a product or a service, what people have told us about a product or a service. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what influences say about a product or service, what the prior experience we may have with <clears throat> the various brand choices we have and so forth. All of this internal heuristics affects our, our, our decision. And, um, and I'm actually writing a, an article for Forbes about this at the moment. Oh, nice. Um, and, and, um, and then we have all the external um, influences that also affect how we make our decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is our the urgency we have. It is it is um, how, how the various brands we are being um, presented with, and 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 our brand associations. It's um, it's uh, it's. I mean, we've found things like. By changing, um, by changing the, the, the product name, mm-hmm. right? You can you can gain twenty percent higher sales volume, right? Mm. <laughs> because the name did not, you know, did not have a, a, a um, did not communicate value in the way that the the, the 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 potential buyers expected. So all this decision landscape, which is nudge theory in 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 um, in in a way, you know, he, he only talks about the external pieces, not the heuristics. Um, but um, but the the um, all of that influences how we make our decision. And and this was and then then people say okay but I'm in B two B so it's different no it's not different mm-hmm. and and in fact this was first um, first discovered in in the early 1900s um, mm-hmm. when selling uh, office supplies to, to offices oh, right and and um, by 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 a guy called uh, uh, Torsten Veblen. Uh, who mm. was one of the leading intellectuals at the time? So, um, um, so it it that decision landscape is so important, and that's why advertising works. Yeah, <laughs> because is, it does. is that why you have the uh, nine ninety nine? No, like, is that? <laughs> I always wonder, you know, why in the world? I mean, you know, when you're building a business, that's one of the things you start to realize that. You know, uh, there's something about that point ninety nine there. There's a reason why that's there well, instead of uh, well, dollar. So explain that to us, please. <laughs> well, first off, nine ninety seven will lead to about three percent higher sales volume than nine ninety nine. That's mm. the first thing, right? Um, <clears throat> the the other is that. Um, when we, if we compared 997 or 995 to 10, um, we see um, it's better to do it if we, if we do 49.99 versus 50, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what I see then, I, I look at the first digit and it's 40 something versus mm-hmm. 50 something. 
So in our minds, not for everybody, of course, but as we make this very quick decision, um, it, it appears that it's a $10 difference. Mm. Because that very first digit is so much more dominant as we read through the prices. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's funny because when you're trying to create a product and you have a pricing strategy, well, actually, most the majority of people, unless you are involved with pricing a lot or marketing, you're not even going to think about it, right? Until mm -hmm. you start to get into that part where you have to sell this product. And then you hear and you're not really understanding why people do the things they do. You know, uh, you, you say, well, let me use my competitors and, and let me match the pricing that they're doing, right? You mm -hmm. know, but it is a better understanding to understand this $4.99 versus five. It does look like it's this big difference. Yep. Yeah. And, and, but, but it's also very important to, to realize that this is something that is very effective when it comes to commodity products which are sold <clears throat> on low price only. If, wow. if you have a product that is not commodity, where you want to um, message uniqueness and unique value and high quality and so forth, then you should not price on the nine. Wow. Okay. And, and, and um, <clears throat> um, I mean, uh, the the it, it you can see luxury goods are never priced on the nine. They never are. Yeah, I never, I never, I never realized that. <laughs> you know, you 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 never have a twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine and ninety nine dollar Rolex. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't. Yeah. So, 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 um, so, so when, when, when you want to message um, that, uh, and <clears throat> one more thing on on that that, that sort of um, emphasized this is is um, when uh, there's something called um, price anchoring as well, which is also very important. Yeah. And <clears throat> what what price anchoring means is that. When you want to sell something, um, the the you want to present your potential buyers with a really high price mm -hmm. uh, of something they won't buy. <laughs> so you have a good, better, best strategy. That you should always have a good, better, best product strategy or service strategy. Right? Oh, where you and, where you're uh, really trying to get them to buy this one thing, but you, that. You, okay. <laughs> you, what you want is that the 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 good, the cheapest version, is so limited that nobody really wants it. Right. And you want the best to be so expensive that nobody can afford it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the way you present this is that you're going to present this um, to have the 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 best first. And as we read, top to bottom, left to right means that the best is going to be uh, to, the, to the left and, and if, if possible, higher up than the, the others, right? No because theory, man. No that, theory. <laughs> because that means that the other choices look more 
affordable. Mm -hmm. And the, the most brilliant, since we talked about um, watches here, the most brilliant example of this I've ever seen was when Apple came out with a watch. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the mass market product was $349, right? Mm. And it ends on a nine, right? Um, but then they also had a version, exactly the same electronics in a, in a golden case for 17,000. Mm. And every journalist who wrote about this, and of course, those who were in the market, early adopters for, for that watch, they read a lot of articles about the watch, right? And all of them were exposed to the audacity of Apple to have the same electronics being sold for 17,000 as for 349. Mm -hmm. And every time somebody wrote, read that, that 349 became more and more and more affordable. Oh, man. And I, you know, I've, I've just, I've advised a whole bunch of, of, of um, restaurants, you know, they're too small. They can't, you know, they, they, they typically can't uh, afford our services, but um, the, the, although chains can, um, the, the, I've said to them, put something on the top left corner of your menu that is really unique. You know, it's a family. It could be, you know, it could be some really unique and expensive um, dish and ingredients and you make it into a family meal with, all, all beer and wine and everything included, and it's going to be god-awful exp expensive. Mm. And nobody's ever going to buy it, or maybe very, very rarely, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you can you can charge whatever you want for the rest of what's on the menu because they have this anchor that is really expensive. Right. And, and, um, and, and uh, obviously I followed up with, with these restaurants and they said, you know, we 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 increased our price with twenty five percent, and we did what you told us, and nobody nobody noticed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the objective is you're not really gonna you're gonna really you you will rarely buy that very expensive item. Yeah, exactly, and, but and it makes everything else look more affordable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, Perry, I I I, I want to say, man, you have given us so many nuggets. I mean, I couldn't even jot down all the notes, you know, so I'm definitely going to review this recording a hundred times. You know, <laughs> I think that um, uh, people need to understand that pricing is more important than what they think. A lot of times yeah. they skip past the pricing portion. You know, I would I would really encourage the the um, the audience here to to really two things. Um, uh, I have a new book out called The Price Whisper mm -hmm. and um uh, it's on Amazon. It's a Kindle book. Um, the uh, uh, the paper version isn't printed yet for some reason. Um, and um, so it's called The Price Whisper, uh, a holistic approach to pricing power. Mm -hmm. um, I also have on, uh, on, on my company's website, I have a masterclass in pricing. Those are uh, 19 video episodes where I go through a lot of the things that we talked about and much more. Um, and, um, and, and 
the best way, I mean, if somebody's interested, the best way of finding me is Google. You just Google oh. the Price Whisperer. Mm -hmm. Is everything on your website as well? Yes, it is, yes. Okay, okay. So definitely check that out as well, audience, you know. Yeah. Okay, so really quick, I want to dive into some fun stuff, right? Yes. You know, really quick, because a lot of times, you know, I always mention this to the guests that, you know, we are looked at as geeks. We dive into our craft. We love it to death. And, and our audience or people that are not even geeky like us, right? They, they, a lot of times they sit there and they say, man, do they do anything else or care about anything else other than their craft? I mean, they're, they're just deep, deep into it. They have no life, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but we do have a life, okay? We care about ice cream. We care about cheese. We, well, we have opinions about it. Not to say we like it, but we have opinions about it. So if you ask us, we definitely will drop our opinions in there. So I want to play a game, as always. Uh, it's called Overrated, Underrated. Are you ready for the game? Absolutely. Okay, now the game I got from Gary Vee, a motivational speaker that I love. Uh, and, and and basically, I am going to ask the guests to throw out a series of topics. They get to decide whether it's overrated, underrated, or right where it needs to be based off of their own opinion. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, the first one is being... Uh, in LA right now, Hollywood films. Oh, overrated. Overrated? Yep. <laughs> you can give your opinion as to why if you want, or you can just keep it moving. So no, I, I, I it's just very, very simple. I'm, I'm just not very much for movies, and, and obviously, um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles, and, and, um, um. It's probably I, overwhelming. You might see it. Somebody. <laughs> I I um I'm I'm living not very far from um, several well-known stars. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I can definitely uh, see how that can be probably overwhelming. Where you're like, look, man, I'm I, I don't <laughs> want to deal with this. So, okay, jazz music. Oh, I love it. Love it. Yep. Underrated. Yeah. Underrated. Underrated. Yep. Underrated. All right. Skyscrapers. Um, I think um, overrated. Overrated? Okay, yeah. okay. All right. Celebrities. Definitely <laughs> overrated. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> again, you know, I um, because because I mean I I. A month ago, I, I had a dinner party and we had a couple of, of A-list celebrities at my house, you know. They're nice mm -hmm. people um, yeah. because they come to the, they're not like the B, B actors that only talk about themselves. Oh, yeah. When yeah, you see. come over well, that, um, it's, uh, they're, they're often nice people. Not all. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Social media. That is a very interesting. Um, or it can be right it, where it needs it, to be. Well, I, I think it's from from a influence point of view, I think it's underrated. Mm -hmm. From a um, uh, from a from a marketing effectiveness, I think is under. <laughs> I think is overrated. Okay. All right. Okay. Ice cream. Uh, overrated. Okay. All right. The printer. The printer? Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's underrated. Underrated? Yeah. Oh man, you know, I uh it, it depends who I talk to, man. You know, I 
I'm kind of over the printer. Uh, actually, I'm. Uh, it's funny because I, I, I'm as as technical as I can be. Right. I have issues with the printer. It's like that's my 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 enemy all the time. <laughs> it's a new printer. You know, it'll go out in a year. I'm thinking, why are you not working? You know, you gotta. You know, it's just. I I have my enemy with Google. Google, <laughs> you know, they you try to log into something Google, Google Sheets, and something like that, and it tells yeah. me that I'm not allowed to log in, and I have to go through the whole thing of trying to restore passwords and stuff like that, and it's a nightmare. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, it does become a nightmare. It's, it's in your way, you know. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, two more things: watches. Um, underrated. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> no, all right, the last one. Um, so you are originally from Sweden. Yes. Right. Have you been back and forth to Sweden at all? Yeah, I have my, um, I was there about a month ago to just to spend a couple of days with my 91 year old mom. Okay, all right. Sweden's Ice Hotel. I don't know if you've been there before. But... Ice, Hotel. Um, I think it's overrated. It's overrated. Oh yeah. man, coming from the sweetest person himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's just very cold. It is. Oh, okay, okay. okay well, obviously, okay. it's got to be, it's got to be below freezing. Otherwise, it all melts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, so, yeah, yeah, being in there. I, I, I haven't been there, but. Um, but I, uh, I, I think it's a really cool idea, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's, and, and then they have in the bar, you know, the bar is all by ice, and and you get yeah. the glasses are all shaped ice that are shaped like glasses and stuff. Mm -hmm. like that. Keep your yeah, yeah. your drink uh, cold. Yeah, I wonder if it's one of those things where you got to try it once. Right. Maybe you gotta, I yeah. Know. I think you should try this, <laughs> but I hate the cold too, so it's not really on my radar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's far away. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you, Pear. I, I really appreciate you being on the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data a passion. I have been your host, Dapper Data. It has been a pleasure hosting you, Pear. It has been a, a, an honor. You know, you have definitely given insight to our, our audience, you know, and I think they really will appreciate everything you've done. Where can they reach you at, Pear? And is there well, anything that you want to promote? No, like, I mean, you can go to pearshowforce.com. You can also go to showforce.com um, or just Google the Price Whisper. That's the easiest. Okay. All right. Cool. And definitely look out for his book. Uh, yep. Definitely check it out on Amazon, as mentioned before. Audience, as you know, you can always reach me at Mr. Dapper Data. That's at percentile, uh, M R D A P P E R. D-A-T-A -A, or anyone in social media platforms, definitely check out my book on how to uh, increase profits with social media analytics. It's a great book out there. Thank you, Pear. I Thank appreciate you. it. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Thank you so much.